Today I'm going to be speaking on the, the, the subject, the secret to having joy. The secret to having joy. Um, I, if you came here today as a guest, I want, I want to thank you for coming. I'm glad that you made it today. Um, but I, I know that sometimes when we come into church, it's basically part of our ritual. It's like our part of our routine. We come here and... Um, when we come here on Sundays, we're asking God to speak with us from his word. We're asking him to teach us. And I have noticed that as people come, and uh, many times I have come to church, and I'm simply there because it's what I was going to be doing, right? Anyone ever been there before? Uh, you know, church becomes a routine. I have noticed, and I have gone through in my life, even recently, that um, though we were saved one day, and uh, do you remember the joy that you felt when you were completely forgiven? Anyone remember that? And the, the freedom you felt and just the relationship with God that was restored. Sometimes that relationship fades a little bit. Uh, our joy fades and we find ourselves discouraged. Uh, we wonder why, why are all of our problems so heavy when we're supposed to be walking through life with a God who... His strength is made perfect in weakness, right? Why, why is it and how is it that we can get from being joyful, forgiven, feeling blessed to feeling really just discouraged and depressed and feeling like is kind of empty inside? Has anyone else ever felt that way before? Just a little bit empty inside? Uh, I, I want to speak to you today. I, I want to help you. Uh, in First John... Uh, go ahead and turn there in your Bible, 1 John chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 uh, through chapter 2, verse 2. But this specific passage, uh, he, he writes it to a, a bunch of Christians, and he's saying in verse number 4, These things write we unto you that. What's the reason for this section? He says, that your joy may be full. My prayer today is that each one of us would walk away from today with full joy. We would understand what that means, how to have it. And if you've lost your joy and your joy has faded, I want you to get it back. Maybe you've never felt joy, as I'm describing, as I will describe before. I want to tell you, you can find it today. All right, follow along with me. First John chapter 1, the Bible says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Let me ask you a question. Who was from the beginning? This is like feedback. Uh, we're going to have some feedback service today. So who was from the beginning? God. Yeah, right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. More specifically, the answer I'm looking for is Jesus, uh, is who's being spoken about here. Uh, today in my message, I, I'm going to go through three points in this passage. We're going to see it, and if, you're, if your Bible is really outlined in, in a few different sections here, I'm going to talk to you about where joy starts, I'm going to talk to you boy, about when joy fades, and then we're going to see the way that joy is restored. And as he begins here, he talks about where joy starts, and he says, there, there was this person in the beginning, and, and we got a chance to see him. We got a chance to hear him. 
We looked upon him. Our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. I want to be clear about where joy starts. And when we talk about joy, I'm not talking about happiness, okay? Happiness is like, it's on this up and down scale, okay? It's, it's based upon, happiness is different than joy because happiness is uh, based upon your circumstances. If you go to your favorite restaurant and you order your favorite food and the uh, service is great and all your best friends are there and it's not cold outside, then you can be happy, right? You understand, happy. Uh, some of us are happy sometimes. We're not happy. That's like the life. We're up and down. Any of you have kids in here, you understand that kids are like all over, happy, not happy, based upon circumstances. But I'm not talking about happiness today. The, 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 this is not what he's saying. He doesn't want you to be full of happiness. He's saying, he's writing this, that your joy may be full. Joy is delight on the inside. It's an inner happiness, not based upon your circumstances. It is something uh, that the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's that quality that is a byproduct coming from God in the Christian life that only God can give us. Uh, joyless Christianity is a weak Christianity because we're sapped of all of our strength. Uh, if we're a, a joyless Christian, we're an ineffective Christian because we don't have what God would have us to give to the world. A joyless Christian is, uh, like we talked about in our bench warmer series weeks ago, they're out of the game. They're on the sidelines. Uh, they're unable to contribute in significant ways. How do we get our joy? Where does joy come from? He begins the passage writing to you that your joy may be full. And he begins to describe, he says, there is this person, Jesus when he wrote this section here, these were people that spent actual physical time with Jesus in their lifetime. He says, we saw Jesus. We heard him speak to us. We've been with Jesus. He's, we saw him. And what they're saying is in verse number three, that which we've seen and heard, we're declaring unto you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. Where does joy start? Joy starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. He says in this passage, he says, I have something and I want you to have it. I, I, they're saying, I'm experiencing Jesus. Have you, do you remember what it was like the day that you got saved, those of you that are Christians? You remember when you got saved, when, when you recognized that you had nothing to offer God, that you had a sin debt against God, and Jesus paid it all, there was this burden lifted. There was this weight removed. Uh, Jesus freed you. Maybe you had this, this joy of your salvation, the joy of being delivered. And there's this joy that we have, and that's what he's describing here. He's saying, I've got this joy, and I want you to have it too. Have you ever seen somebody that had joy when, you were, when your joy was fading and you were just thinking, I wish I had that? Wish I had that. 
I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could pray like that. I wish I felt like that. Does anybody feel that way sometimes? You, you, you used to have it, but now you don't have it, and, and you're wondering what happened. In 1 John chapter 1, he points out that the joy comes through fellowship. I love that because this is Fellowship Baptist Church. Welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. You're here today. That's our name right there in Scripture. That word fellowship is the word communion or relationship. And what he's saying is that joy is a natural byproduct. It's a natural result that flows from your relationship with God. But when you are saved and become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And that Holy Spirit is like a a constant fountain flowing in you that the joy just comes out of you. It's described in Galatians 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All of these qualities. And some of us sitting here today and we say, I wish I had love. wish I could love like that. I wish I had joy. And what we don't realize is that the source is not us trying to manufacture it up and act like we're joyful. It's not us trying to pretend like we're joyful. It's not us trying to pretend like we're loving, act like we're loving. It's something only God can do through you, and it comes from a relationship with Jesus Pastor Tony began the year preaching uh, on our Revive series, and he preached the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. He said, quench not the Spirit. The idea is that God, when he saved you, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and he's producing these byproducts, this joy in your life, this love in your life. But we could quench him, we can stop him, and it can fade from our life. Joy is a natural response to the grace of God. It's something that comes out because of what we've received. It's a, it's a gift that comes from a gift. In Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus told a story. There, there was uh, this time when Jesus went to eat with a Pharisee, and they were like the ultra-religious, right? Uh, how many of you like the Pharisees? Yeah, we don't raise our hand for that. Pharisees are like, that's the other team. Um, we speak about the Pharisees like people in Ohio speak about Michigan, okay? They, we don't like the Pharisees. They're bad. They're a bad example. We don't like the Pharisees, right? Pharisees are religious. They're, they're, they're an example of what not to be. Jesus ate with them, and this woman showed up with this, at the meal, and the Bible says she came with a very expensive box. The box was full of ointment, an alabaster box, and this woman began weeping, uh, she was so passionate. She had this overflow coming out of her to where she came to Jesus with such joy and love and passion for him that she washed his feet with her hair. Sometimes we see the actions and the natural responses to the grace of God of others and we say, wow, I wonder why, how they got like that. I wonder why I'm not like that. And Jesus gives uh, a parable to help us understand that. He gives a story. He says in Luke chapter 7, verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. Raise your hand if you're a debtor. Who's got a credit card? Come on. Okay, okay, you understand. I'm trying to help you relate to this story here. Y'all are a little, uh, go ahead and stand up for a second. Stand up out of your seat. Y'all are like, you need to loosen up. You need to loosen up. Stand up. Shake hands with your neighbor. You guys say this shouldn't happen in the middle of the sermon. You need to loosen up, people. Say, we're going to listen. Say it to your neighbor. We're going to listen. Tell him, I'm going to respond. Now sit back down. Sit back down. 
It's okay to respond in church, okay? There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. We don't like to be debtors. We don't like creditors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. It would have been nicer to be the one that only owed 50, right? And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Jesus asked a question. He says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? The one with, that owed 500 and was forgiven or the one that owed 50 and was forgiven? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. I want you to realize that the reason that we can have joy is because we can have a relationship with Jesus. And we're in the same situation as those two debtors. The idea is that we had a creditor and the creditor was God and we were there. And some of us, we have this long list of debts that we had to pay, a long list of sins. You think of your past, your mistakes, the addictions you have, the problems you have, the the selfishness that you have, the tendencies that you have. And for some, the list is 500. For some, the list seems like 50. But we're both in the same situation because we both owe a debt and we have nothing to pay. You understand when it comes to your relationship with God, maybe, you, maybe this is new to you and, and you, this is new information, but we st- stood before God guilty of our sin. And there was nothing that you could possibly do to make God like you enough, to make God forgive you. There's nothing that you could do. You can't go to church enough times to, to make God forgive you of your sin. You, you can't give enough money. You can't do enough good things. You can't cook enough meals. You can't serve enough. There is nothing that we have to pay. Just like these two debtors, and, and some of us have this long list, and some have this list that may seem shorter, but we both have nothing to pay. And the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, that was his payment for your sin. He made that payment for you that you could never, ever pay. Oh, to be debt-free. Spiritual debt-free. Oh, to know that there is no longer a balance sheet that you owe God. Oh, to know that there's no longer a sin that God holds against you, that hell is not your future anymore, that you do not have to serve sin any longer. Oh, to know how freedom feels. That is the source of our joy. Can you relate to that? And we feel that way when we're saved. We feel that way when we experience the grace of God. It's called the joy of total forgiveness. Your past is past, and now you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Some of you have never, ever felt peace with God. You've always felt like God was mad at you or upset at you, and you feel like God is distant. Well, God made a way for you to experience peace with him, and it's through that relationship, that fellowship, that we can experience joy in our life. Joy starts with a relationship with Jesus. That is the start of joy. The joy of total deliverance when God sets you free. The joy of our salvation uh, when God saves us and we now know we'll spend eternity with him. The joy of God's presence. The fact that as we sang in that song, he is my shepherd. That was a good song. The fact that he goes before us, that he is with us, that he's our comforter. Some of you sat in here and you listened to the song and you were moved by the song because the song was personal to you. It's like what's described in 1 John chapter 1 that you saw it, that you feel it, that you experienced it. 
but some of you don't experience it, that fellowship that they're writing about. It's interesting that we can come to fellowship, Baptist Church, but maybe we don't actually have fellowship with God. I want you to know that fellowship today, that you can have that relationship with God. Joy starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. But you know what? Joy can fade. It can fade pretty quick. All of us face this problem of sin. Maybe you just get sick of that word, sin. It's, it's just terrible. It's a terrible word. It, it, some of you are right now experiencing pain in your family because of sin. I thank God that knowing that you're saved, you don't have to experience the consequence of sin for eternity. But here on this earth, we face sin. We, we live in a sin-cursed world, and it would just be so nice. Uh, we don't get to change how things are set up, but it would be nice that once we're saved, that sin doesn't affect us anymore. Wow, it just all goes away. Wouldn't that be great? No more sin. But until we, like Pastor Tony talked last week, are raptured, or until we die and are in heaven with God, we're going to experience the sin of our flesh. We're going to experience and be touched by the sin of this world. And sin, in verses 5 through 10, that is what causes joy to fade. Joy fades when we sin and walk in darkness. Uh, In verse number 5 through 10, I want to read this for you. He says, this is the message which we heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is what? Light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. None at all. Okay, when you're a parent or you're, you're telling, trying to be clear with somebody, uh, is God darkness? No, not very much. That's not what it says. It, it uses very clear words. Uh, in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. He's perfect. He's holy. The Bible talks about God is so much purer than what he could ever be, uh, that he is without sin, and, uh, and he is perfectly pure. And the Bible says, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. And the truth is, if we want to walk with a God uh, that is all light and no darkness, we too have to walk in the light. We have to live in the light. We read that in verse number seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Walking with Jesus, having your joy continue, means that you have to walk continually in the light. Well, that really stinks because, you know what? Um, Is anybody else able to do that all the time? No. We can't always walk in the light like that. We have sinful flesh. We fail so frequently. When you fail... You start to lose your joy. That relationship that you had with God at salvation, it's it's not gone altogether. Because the Bible says we're adopted. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You become part of a family when you become part of God's family, when you receive Jesus. So it's not a matter of you being disowned or cast out of the family. But what happens when your children... Uh, tell you they're not going to do what you told them to do. Does that work out okay? Any parents? How, who, does that work for you? 
No, it doesn't work for you because it doesn't, it doesn't work. You're, there's a, a relationship fracture. There's a, there's a brokenness that happens there. And the idea is that if God is light and in him is no darkness at all, that we can step away from our relationship with God and it can be fractured and broken and our joy can fade. I want to give you, uh, for those of you that maybe have lost your joy, I want to give you some three simple ways. I found this to be helpful to remember. Three simple ways that you can continue without joy, okay? Uh, I think you're going to remember this. Here's how you can be a Christian without joy. It's found in this passage. Verse number six. The Bible says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. How to be a Christian without joy? Keep pretending. Keep pretending. The Bible says there, if we say that we have fellowship with him, we say, you know, what you say isn't quite as important as what you do. You know, we all have the ability. Oh, we're so good at it. We can say one thing and do another. We can portray one thing and be another. I'm, I'm telling you this because you're among friends here, okay? Every, every person in here is a sinner. The good thing about it is that we've all come here today. Most people don't come to church because they think they have it all together. We come here because we recognize we're sinners. We're in the same boat. We're, we're here and we need God's help. And the, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says there's, that we have this tendency to pretend. We, we pretend, the Bible says that we say we have fellowship with him. We go through the motions. We come to church like we have fellowship with him. We stand and say the words. We say the words like we have fellowship with him. We even pray at meals like we have fellowship with him. We attend life group like we have fellowship with him. But we walk in darkness. We don't actually do what he's telling us to do. We don't actually live the way he's telling us to live. The Bible says we lie and do not the truth. If you want to continue without joy, just keep pretending. Walk in darkness and pretend that you walk with God. Secondly, if you want to continue without joy, verse number 8 says you simply need to lie to yourself. Lie to yourself. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have this, man, sinners, we're just wicked sometimes. <laughs> we, we really are. We have this uh, skillful wickedness that we can simply tell ourselves something and believe our own lie. You can, you can say to yourself, I'm okay, and not be okay. Are you okay? Maybe somebody asked you that today. Hey, how are you doing? What is your answer? Usually, we pretend. And we pretend enough because we don't want anybody to know really how we're doing. We don't want anybody to know that we could possibly be a sinner, right? Seems silly in church to do that. But we don't want anybody to know that our family has trouble. We don't want anybody to know that you lie to yourself. You don't want anybody to know that you could possibly have any problem with sin whatsoever. But we all know that we all do. If we want to continue without joy, we, we keep pretending, we lie to ourselves, we, we lie about the true condition of our heart, and we believe it. Number three, if you want to continue to be a Christian without joy, avoid honesty and confession. In verse number nine, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
uh, some of you, your life seems so heavy right now. Your burdens are larger than you can bear. You feel discouraged. You feel depressed. You feel like you're going through the motions. You pray, but you don't know if your prayers are being answered. People talk about these songs, and some people raise their hand, and some people are, seem emotional, and some people are, are singing from their heart, but you feel empty inside. Your joy has faded. One of the best ways you can continue down that path is simply stay as far away from getting honest as you possibly can get. Never, ever, ever, ever consider confessing. Just don't do it. Matter of fact, keep pretending. Make a better show of yourself if you want to continue without joy. I want you to consider what Jesus has to say about hypocrites. You, you, do you all know a hypocrite? Does anyone know a hypocrite in here? You all are like, I, you don't know how to react to this. I can tell because you're so quiet. You're sitting in a crowd of hypocrites, okay? Uh, this is a sea of hypocrites. Uh, welcome to Hypocrite Baptist Church. Um, listen, in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says, in uh, Matthew 6, verse 1, sorry, Jesus said, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. These people are giving to be seen. They're doing religious acts so that other people can see them. And Jesus says, hey, listen, the reward that they get from doing that is that's what they're getting. People see them. Matthew 6, verse 5 says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You see, hypocrites outwardly perform, but are inwardly dead and dying and without joy. I wonder if that describes you today. I can say that has described me multiple times in my life. Because when you sin, any, any sin, big sin, small sin, you have this ability to confess your sin and be honest and humble yourself, much like when you got saved. You humble yourself before God. You admit you're a sinner. Your fellowship is restored. But oftentimes we say, ah, too prideful for that. I don't want to do that. So I pretend. I lie to myself that everything is okay. So much that I start to believe it. Everything's okay. And I get further from God. My joy continues to fade. And I avoid honesty of who I really am. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Jesus says about this Pharisees, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. 
part of my message today is I really want to extend the invitation to you that if this verse describes you, if you find yourself outwardly appearing righteous unto men, but within being full of iniquity and hypocrisy, I, I too understand that that could be exhausting. It is exhausting to perform. It is exhausting to pretend. It is exhausting to lie to yourself that everything is okay. But the longer that you continue to do that, you become like this is talking. You're empty on the inside. You've got a lot of problems. You're saying on the outside, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But on the inside, you know you're not okay and God knows you're not okay. You know there's turmoil and God knows there's turmoil. You know your joy is gone. And you have no spiritual strength and you're weak. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our fellowship with God, as as we talked about, he's our comfort. He's the one that goes before us. He's the one that strengthens us in weakness. And what happens if we go too long and if we go any length of time where we don't confess, where we are constantly pretending, we find ourselves tired and weak and useless and unable to be used. And we say, God, I'm too far gone. Joy starts with a relationship with Jesus. Joy fades when we sin and walk in darkness. But I want to tell you that your joy can be restored. I love, uh, when you read the Bible, oftentimes it's like, today I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible and like check off my box, right? I'm going I'm to check the box, one chapter, and our, our Bible is separated into chapters, and many times we're like, well, we'll just stop there. Well, if you get to 1 John chapter 1, uh, you don't want to stop at the end of chapter 1. You've got to continue into chapter 2 because it all connects, it all goes together. And in the first section here, he says joy starts when we realize we can have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And your joy can be full. Uh, But sometimes our joy fades as we walk away from God. And we have to answer this question, this problem of sin that we all face. What do you do when you sin after you're saved? How How do you handle your sin? In chapter 2, verse number 1, he continues... My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Oh, man, I thought we were going to make it through that one. No, we do sin, okay? And if any man sin, okay, this is us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. The, the Bible says that, listen, uh, the, you, you're going to sin. You're going to come to sin. And you're going you're gonna to question, what do I do when I sin? And the thing is, you're not all by yourself when you sin. Because the Bible says you have an advocate. Do you know what an advocate is? An advocate is somebody that speaks on your behalf. An advocate is somebody that's on your side. When you sin as a Christian, you don't sin all by, you don't sin all by yourself there. You're not stuck over here to figure it out on your own. Because the Bible says that Jesus... The one who saved you, he's in your corner and he wants to see you restored again. He's not against you. 
He's not trying to keep you out. He's not trying to cut you out. He's not trying to keep you feeling bad. That guilt and the shame that we feel, many times that's a gift from the Holy Spirit telling us to get back on track. Many times that's voices from outside telling us, you know, the Bible says the devil, that he is our adversary and that he's a slanderer. He's constantly telling us, you're never good enough. You're never going to make it. God is never going to use you again. But that's a lie because he wants to take this army of God and take us out of the fight. It's what he wants to do. He wants to take you out of the fight. He wants to make you unusable. And he wants you to walk around with no joy in your heart. He wants you to walk around with no strength, with no ability to mean what you sing, to pray what you're praying and mean it. He wants to keep you from ever talking to your kids because as fathers, we sin and we say, how can I ever lead my family? How can I ever lead my kids the way that I live? And I know that's true because I talk to fathers that feel that way. And we feel that way because we sin. But God does not want you to stay there. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Let me explain how it works. The idea is that Jesus, he's in your corner and he says to God when you sin, he says, you know what? God, based upon what I have done, would you restore this relationship with this person? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, you ought to memorize this verse, if we confess our sins. The word confess simply means to say the same thing, to agree with God. Uh, it's, it's the idea of one word. God calls it one thing and you should call it the same thing. It's not to say, God, oh, I'm, I'm just not very good today. God, I made a mistake. No, you say, God, I lied. God, I'm bitter. God, I lusted. God, I did this. You name your sin and you say the same thing God says about your sin and you name it. And listen, that may be a hard thing to do, but when you do that, you have an advocate. You have somebody speaking to the Father on your behalf. And the Bible says he's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation. Wow, that's a big Bible word. I don't even understand what that means. I thought I, I'm sinning and I need help and I don't know what the word means. Let me explain to you what the word is. The word propitiation is the word that means satisfaction. The idea is that Jesus' work on the cross works. The idea that God, you had this debt with him. But Jesus was the propitiation, meaning everything that he sacrificed was enough to pay for your sin. And God doesn't receive you based upon how good you are. He received you based upon how good Jesus is. He's the righteous one, and you are the unrighteous one. And you come to Jesus, you confess your sin. The Bible says in verse 9, he is faithful. Faithful is a word that means it can be counted on. Every time, every single time you confess your sin, he's faithful. He'll forgive you your sin, the Bible says. The Bible says he's faithful and he's just. There is only one person that is just and righteous enough to forgive you of your sin, and that's Jesus Christ. I want you to know, when you come to God, you don't have to make any promises to God. Oh, God, if you forgive me, I'll give you my whole life. Oh, God, listen, you, he'll be earning of your whole life. He'll be deserving of your whole life. But when you come to him, you don't have to make any promises. You don't have to say, God, I'll give this amount of money. You come to him as a debtor. Uh, to a creditor, and you have nothing to pay, not a, not a cent. You can't pay anything on this debt, but the only one who can is Jesus Christ the righteous. He pays your debt in full, and the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you how joy is restored. Joy is restored when we confess our sins and accept the sacrifice of Jesus. Today, I want to ask you where you are, where your joy is at. Is it fading? Quit lying to yourself. We, we're so good at pretending that we can even come to church week after week 
after week and hear message after message and you say, I'll confess one day. Oh, I'll confess. Maybe next week. Maybe the next time. I'll, 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 I'll get it right one day. Why go so long without joy? Why go so long out of the game? Why not make it right today? There's a song that I have heard recently that has so, been so helpful for me. Uh, it's a song called Simple. And uh, I'm going to read you the lyrics without crying. I'm going to fix this here. Uh, he, the song, it, you should all listen to it. Here's what it says. It says, take a breath. The camera's off. You don't have to, fi- to hide the fact that we're all messed up. Some of you have been performing your Christianity for so long, you have no joy left. You perform and you act. Act. Quit acting. Just be. I'm speaking to myself. I've done this multiple times. find myself that, ah, we go so long and we act and we can perform and we get good at at it. But you don't have to hide the fact you're messed up. God knows and we know. The song says, I know you think one more bad move and God will finally wash his hands of you. The song says, oh, hold on. That couldn't be more wrong. There's no such thing as too far gone with God. Nothing you can do to earn your spot. Nowhere you can go where he is not. I know it all sounds unbelievable, but believe me, it's just that simple. Second verse says, the devil lies and twists the truth. He's working hard to make you think that it's all on you. Oh, if only you could try harder to be better, but you can't. You can confess your sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It says, so you'll play the part till you're exhausted. And when you fall, he's there to tell you that you lost it. That's what the devil says to us. You fall and fall and fall, and he says, you've lost it. You're too far gone. 